All right, everybody, we're back. This is episode number, I don't even know. 29. 29. 29. That's a big number. 29 yeah. is a good number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 29th episode of the Recovery Lab podcast series. I'm Drew Hassan. I'm Daniel Anderson. We are the Recovery Lab. Uh, so I'm getting kind of tired of the general intro spiel. But look, y'all, buy, we have t-shirts, hoodies. That's how we support this um awesome endeavor Mm -hmm. you can also follow us on patreon i think pay five dollars a month and uh you get the honor the honor of being a paid yeah beneficiary of our endeavors absolutely yeah and we're i mean some of the you know some of the things that we're posting on patreon just it'll blow your mind absolutely blow your blow your mind go over there go check it out it's it's top-notch content absolutely it's five bucks a month go check it out all right, so look, buy buy a hoodie, buy a t-shirt. You can get them on our website, recoverylabllc.com. Uh, we appreciate it. Well, thank you in advance for your for your financial support. Absolutely. Hoodie, I'm wearing one today. Yep, yep, It looks yep. good. T-shirt. Yeah, we got the t-shirts. We still have some hoodies left, and, you know, it'll get cold again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go check them out. This damn microphone stand. Oh, look, so I was kind of gently admonished about our language on the last lady that was listening to it. She said it was just, you know, the language was too much. I had to stop, and I thought, I felt a little bit guilty. Uh, okay. So, I mean, for what it's worth. Sure. That's happened to me before in an AA meeting. I know. It kind of gets away from me. I used to cuss a lot, like a lot. Um, but like lately, probably this past year or so, I've been, i like cut it out for the most part, um, and so I don't know. I think I think we do that sometimes. We just get going, especially in the AA world. Oh, I know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, Look, it's how many just times lately it. have I told myself I'm a, I'm going to need something like Asbury University level revival <laughs> <in my laughs> to to stop. Uh, anyway, uh, so we again beg you uh, increase your input and involvement comment useful things we want to try to be a hub of useful information for people in recovery if you know where they give away narcan let that be known if you know of something that would be of benefit to people in the recovery community just just comment that we need it absolutely uh can you think of anything else is there no we've pretty much covered it all i think um thank first of all thank you for so much for coming and hanging out with us um you know i from from what i've um uh, learned about you and um seen about you you have a story that is absolutely worth telling and um that <laughs> so let's let's just get started let's jump into <laughs> it all right so what what was it like what happened and what's it like now and then we'll 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 talk about other things and i certainly want to talk about the illegal meetings that you held in the parking <laughs> lots but, rebel uh, <laughs> i love that more than you will ever know all right so give us a little bit give us a little history about uh, who you are and what's happened okay um what i was like um i think a lot every time i listen to um an aa speaker tape or anything like that the one thing i hear a lot is about how we all felt left out um I, I felt left out all the time. Like, as a kid, uh, we moved a lot. So, I was new. I was the new kid, like, every year, pretty much. That's um, tough. And I just thought, like, my parents liked moving. Um, 
But it turns out my dad was like a raging alcoholic and he was like ruining our reputation and everything. We found that out when I grew up. Um, God, I love my dad, but uh, he, uh, yeah, he, ha- he had his, his uh, alcoholism addi- uh, issues too. And um, so we moved a lot. Um, turns out that didn't help the addiction part, you know, the ge- geographical change, they say. Um, but anyway, so I was a new kid. Every time I was also real weird, and so that didn't help my case either. Um, but you know, it was just kind of always that uncomfortable feeling. Um, I felt left out at home. Um, my brothers were mean to me. Um, you know, th- and there's the the usual thing that kind of not usual thing, but there's sexual abuse and um, you know all that kind of fun trauma. And um, yeah, that w- that was like my childhood. But we were always you know provided for financially. And so, you know, you're supposed to be grateful for that. Um, I didn't start drinking until it was my senior year. And I was the last one to drink. Um, And I like to think it was some, like, moral thing. But it's really, I was just, like, a contrarian by nature. And so everyone else was drinking. So I wanted to be the one that wasn't. Um, And I still remember the first time I ever drank alcohol. Um, (laughs) Zima. And, uh, Zima, for real? <laughs> for real. We've we we joked about we, Zima a number that of last, times. That's yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard y'all uh, joke about it. Yeah. Some, uh, maybe with Mart. I can't remember. Yeah, but um, Yeah, it w- and so I drank like three sips and then just was acting like I was completely wasted and having a good time with that. And then my mom, my parents were really strict. Um, and my mom found out and she came over to my friend Jessica's house and pulled me out of there and... Uh, took me straight to the police station and <laughs> made me get um, a breathalyzer. Um, and it was a .04, um, which didn't explain why I was stumbling and stuff. So you can tell I was, like, really playing it up, like this big drinking thing. Um, but I got grounded for a long time, and I needed to go to prom. Um, you know, I was just, they were very Damn, strict. Mama came down on you hard, yeah, right? She's tough. She is very tough. And it didn't. And that's, I wanted to share that because I've heard parents talk about, you know, like mistakes they may have made and like maybe that's why their son or daughter turned out, you know, an alcoholic or an addict. But like my parents were very, very strict and I wasn't allowed to like do anything and I still turned out to be a total wacko, you know. Um, I went to Ole Miss and that's where like the drinking really took off, you know, and um. I was telling somebody one time how, like, I finally felt, I don't remember, like, you know, some people remember the first time they get drunk and the way exactly how that felt and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just look back and remember when I drank, I drank a lot, and um, I think I've always drank, you know, like that, and I I just felt prettier, I felt funnier, um, I felt... Like everything, like everything was just okay, and it kind of romanticized life in a way, and um, so yeah, it just made it made me feel good. Like it did a good job. Yeah, it worked. It worked. It worked really well for me, um, not necessarily academically. Um, <laughs> that that part kind of went uh, downhill. Um, I almost went to Ole Miss and uh, instead got shipped off to treatment, but I guarantee you. I would have failed out <laughs> instantly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I could have been anywhere, to be honest. Um, I don't think being in Oxford helped. But um, 
But yeah, that's where the drinking really took off. And, and everything in my life, school was such a low priority for me. Um, I look back now and, you know, like I said before, I was very, you know, always like financially taken care of, all that kind of stuff. I never once worried like where's the money coming from that's paying for this tuition you know I did I took advantage of everything and I was so entitled and the way that I look back at how I did college it's still something I feel like a lot of shame about because like my roommate Ashley she she worked so hard and um I'm over here just partying it up you know all this kind of stuff and I just had zero appreciation for anything in life. And all I wanted to do was drink. That's all I wanted to do. And um, just completely squandered it. Squandered the whole, you know, thing. Can I ask a favor? Of course. Can we, um, I need to like take a beat. I need to, is it okay if I pray real quick? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, God, please just um, enter this room right now. I <laughs> am feeling really nervous all of a sudden. And I'm having a hard time. Uh coming up with the words that like you want me to say and I feel scatterbrained and I feel like my words are everywhere and so um I just need to take a minute and just thank you for this opportunity and for bringing me here and um I ask that you just help me relax and continue this conversation and know that you're here with me and I'm saying uh what I need to say to reach people because I'm just all over the place <laughs> so thank you so much and we love you amen I think maybe the static in your mind is really just in your mind because you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm completely well, on, I'm here on the same page with you. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm here talking about, like, alcoholism, and I'm talking about how, you know, how much respect I have for, like, my college roommate and how hard she worked at school. And you know what I mean? So it's like, they, I'm like, wait, Right, but we have an hour. Like, we have, like, we have, like... Okay. Like, don't, don't, don't let those negative thoughts, like, even creep in because, like, you're doing... All, all you're doing right now is just telling us what happened in okay. your life. So there's literally nothing that you could say wrong mm -hmm. because it's your story. Yeah. So, so don't let those nerves get in the way because God will speak through you. Yeah. God will, will let you know what needs to be said. So just, just chill, chill. And just like enjoy <laughs> being here. It's tough. Like it's tough. Like it, it can be really, really difficult, but I just want you to remember that to ask that part that's trying to keep you safe and trying to protect you from yeah. certain stupid stuff, ask that part to just take a step back. You appreciate their, their, you know, their concern for you, but you're in control right now and God is going to be leading you to, to take care of what needs to be said. So just Got ask it. that part to take a step back and you're in control and you're good to go. And so don't stress about this at all. I feel all. better now. We have an hour. So <laughs> we have. So you can see the time right Look, there. And nothing, I mean, even if it goes over, if it goes under, I mean. Yeah, we're, no we're not like, we are, our, our goal here is to facilit facilitate a conversation. Our yeah. goal here is to talk with you. That's why we're here. We want to talk to you because we think that what you have gone through, what you have um, been through in your life is going to help someone else. So right. That, that's the main reason that we're here. So if you go off on a tangent about your roommate, you know. She's great. She sounds incredible. Like, we, like, I mean, she sounds incredible. Like, there's no, th there's nothing that you could say wrong. As long as you're true to yourself, mm -hmm. people are going to respond to this. And they may, not, you know, you're planting seeds right now by just being here. So. Okay. That's huge. The fact that you're even here is incredible because you're willing to help. You're, you're willing to tell your story. And not mm -hmm. everyone is, is 
at a at a point where they feel comfortable doing that, and you are taking the bull by the horns and doing that, and someone will respond to that. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but sometime in the future, God is going to use what you're saying right now to help someone else in their struggle. So just completely disregard any nerves or anything. You're doing a phenomenal job. The audio sounds great. Everything is perfect right now, and you're you're just here to share your experience and str- experience, strength, and hope. Okay, and you can't go wrong. Got it. And he's got the power hat. I got yeah, the you power do hat. Have that power hat. <laughs> yeah, power hat. All right, so let's jump right back. Into okay. It. Okay. All right, so so we were at your your um, your roommate was kind of all on top of like studying. He's such a hard what worker. Did, was there? Answer me this. Was there a little bit of like? I mean, is there still some like guilt and shame associated with? Like you, you said that you felt guilty a little bit about seeing her do all this hard work. What was it difficult? Did you feel as though, did you feel bad because you knew that you should be working that hard, or like what was the disconnect there? Like what was that? In my head at the time, I thought she was doing it wrong. Okay. okay. Um, I was like, why are you not wanting to skip class to go drink with me in this parking lot? Like I don't get it. Right. And like, why are you so concerned about this test? Like life is short, you know, and like, and so at the time I wanted her to loosen up, you know, and like, and that's just how warped my thinking was in every sense of the word. Yeah, absolutely. We are, nobody comes into recovery on a perfect winning streak. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) So like, we have to be kind to ourselves and that that's just who you were and that's just where you were at. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Everything that happened in our past is something that will now we're uniquely qualified to be able to help the next person who struggles with the same thing. All right. So the drinking is getting out of control a little bit in in Oxford. What happens next? Mm -hmm. Um, Before I start, what's next? I want to say real quick is if you do have, um, a child that is in college and they are, you know, if they clearly have a problem that's not just typical college drinking and stuff, like, I wish that I would have gotten help sooner. I don't think I would have been, I mean, who knows what would have happened, but I would have loved a little bit of um, that delusion to be smashed. Um, And so I just wanted to say that real quick. Like, I don't think you could be too young to get some kind of help. Um, And, those seeds would be planted. Um, but anyway, so I ended up wrecking my car into a telephone pole. Um, I was always very like insulated from consequences. Um, cause my dad always saved the day, right. you know? And, uh, so never got in trouble for that. Um, but I did go to Mississippi college. They moved me there. And that is where my boyfriend and I at the time were really good drinkers like we we had a blast um and bless his heart but we um we decided to make a pact after that accident and stuff that we weren't gonna drink for 30 days and he made it about six and um I was just like determined I was gonna make it those 30 days and um which I will say if like 30 days of like that's that big of an issue like you might have a problem um (laughs) um it was, it was tough, but in those 30 days, I made some new friends at Mississippi College, and they told me about God, and um, I just never really knew who God was. Um, I just had, like, the wrong idea about it, and... Did you see God as, like, a punisher? Yes. Or like, okay, so... Someone if was you, like... If you don't do good, you're going to hell, basically, yes, type of thing. Is that right? Yes, yes. Um, I... And I just wasn't, like, 
I don't know. It was like he didn't really he cared about the kids who like had the the good parents that also went to church and the normal families and the you like he liked those people, but me uh, I don't know. He just wasn't a fan. Um so I found out about this God that wasn't the God that I thought he was and and I met all these people there at Mississippi College that um I don't know, they just loved me in a way that I'd never been loved before. And um so before that 30 days was up, I uh What what year what year was this? That was 2005. Okay. Either 2005 or 2006. I think 2005. Um and so, yeah, that was, like, a great year of my life. Yeah. Um, and then the boyfriend broke up with me, and it was just, like, all, like, get out. I'm out of here. Like, screw this. Not only am I going to drink again, I'm going to start smoking weed. Like, I, like. Did you finish and graduate from MC? Eventually. Eventually. Um, I went to school long enough where I could have been a doctor, I feel like. But <laughs> I got a bachelor's degree, and that's all that matters. Um, I was like a professional college goer. (laughs) (laughs) So ridiculous. But I graduated, all right? Um, And, yeah, so I, I, that last, like, year or so was a lot of weed, a lot of drinking, a lot of, I failed uh, walking class. (laughs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) I signed up for walking and um, just failed it miserably. I love that. I would just be, like, at the very back of the class. This is a Christian college, but I was so over all of it by then. Like, I was just in the back, like, smoking cigarettes <laughs> and walking. And that's, like, if I showed up. Right. Um, but finally graduated. On my graduation day, I had to leave the ceremony three times to go throw up. Um, I thought it was because I drank a martini the night before, and that wasn't usually my thing. Um, and so... Me drinking that much wasn't the problem. It was the choice of drink that particular night that was the problem. So just continued delusion about this problem that I had. Um, and that that was a tough day, like, because my parents were in town. They wanted to go eat afterwards, and I couldn't make it. Um, I, don't, I never even thought about that. That was just one of those things I've, like, shoved down again. But, yeah, I didn't make it through my college graduation. Um, but, you know, graduated. Absolutely. You powered through. Powered through. Absolutely. <laughs> um, All right, so then what happens? So immediately after I graduate, I was working in a restaurant. I don't know if y'all remember Alumni House on uh, yeah. Highway 51. I uh, I, wor- I was working there and um, was dating my boss, and we ended up moving to Hattiesburg together to open up another Alumni House in Hattiesburg. Um, and we got pregnant, and I had Jack's. And, um, I, I thought that Jax was going to like fix everything. Um, I thought that I would all of a sudden find like direction that I was missing and I would just all of a sudden become this person that was like a grown up. Um, but it it didn't, I mean, it just didn't happen like that. And, um, I think I went through some sort of postpartum, um, depression slash selfishness slash I don't know but uh, I ended up taking Jack's and going back to Natchez to live with my uh, parents for a little while and that's something I've always had a lot a lot a lot of shame about um, was just leaving his dad there and just being like deal with it you know like this is what I'm doing Um, and it's that's something that I've had to do a lot of work around as well and we're still good friends to this day 
Um, we've never had like a big argument and he's just loved me and accepted me for, you know, the selfish person I was and hopefully am not anymore. Um, but he's a, he's a good dude. Um, so yeah, I had Jax, went back to Natchez, um, met a singer, decided that was going to be the life for me. It's like just going to listen to him play music. A groupie. Yeah. Professional groupie. I was a professional groupie. (laughs) Um, that didn't work out. I've been engaged like four times. So there's just like a few of those throughout like my life story of just like random randomness. Um, so got engaged to him, didn't work out. Probably started dating a new guy like a month later. I don't know. But um, yeah, I was in Natchez for, for a while. And then we moved up to the Jackson area. My dad opened a car dealership up here. Where should we pivot from here? Do we keep just keep going? Look, wh- wherever the spirit leads you. Okay. I mean, really, there's a loose framework, you mm-hmm. know. A j- in the very, very beginning, kind of thought, you know, a loose framework would be a speaker meeting with questions. Okay. Just to kind of give you a little bit of a map. But Got it. I, we were talking about this beforehand, how we want to engage more. Like a conversation and a discussion. I like right, that. Right, right, right. Like we've had like like a list of questions and it's just like the the conversation is just like broken up when you look down and like, oh, what am I going to ask next? Like, and it's just, it's just, it's not conducive to like a, a nice, smooth conversation. So let, let's just keep on moving okay. forward. So you move back up here um, and um, what happens next? You, you've got Jax and you've moved from Natchez back to Jackson or to Jackson. Yes. And or Jackson, back to Jackson. Jackson's dad, I mean, Jackson's dad is still in Hattiesburg. Um, he, yeah, he was still in Hattiesburg. Okay. Um, and he's always, he's just always kind of stuck around, you know, locally sure, in this sure. area. Um, but yeah, so I moved from Natchez up to the Jackson area. I start working, um, at the car dealership for my dad. Um, and I think that's, Throughout this time, like, my drinking has kind of gone through phases. Um, and that's one thing in my alcoholism where I, like, I've looked back and tried to remember, like, because before I moved to, it was actually Crystal Springs where we were living. Before I moved there, I never even, like, kept alcohol in my house. Um, <laughs> I think because I was always at the bar, now that yeah. I think about it. <laughs> that makes more sense. Um but I wasn't, you know, an at-home drinker. I was, I drank a lot, but I just didn't have it like in my refrigerator. Was there like, was there any pride associated around that? Like, well, I'm Mm-mm. not like those guys that drink at home or anything like that. No? There wasn't even really any, like thought about it. It was something that when I went to treatment for the first time, I started like kind of getting reflective about that kind of stuff. Sure. And um, because I think by that time it was one of those things where like I couldn't imagine not having alcohol in my house. Right. And so my brain was trying to think like my brain was just like well a couple years ago you never even had it there like when there was a lot of investigating of when did this change right does that make sense yeah, when yeah, did yeah. you cross the rubicon exactly right. exactly when did things become unmanageable when did you right you know. so what what did the so how how far from when you moved back up to crystal springs how, how long a time uh, span is it between that time and when you first stepped foot in a rehab facility or treatment facility of any kind okay what was that like like that uh, the whole Crystal Springs era was really um, not a good one for me. Um, I, that's where I did start keeping alcohol in my home, and I was drunk all the time. Um, I would drink at work, and 
like just all day. I was sure, an all day sure, drinker. Sure. Um, and that just kind of became like my new normal. I'm not sure why I felt like it was okay, but it just was. And I mean, I would start drinking first thing in the morning before I would take Jax to school. Um, while I was there, a friend that I work with who was just kind of like, I feel like someone God put in my life. Her name was Lauren. She um, was going through her own thing, and she wasn't able to drink until it was either April or May, and this was the beginning of March. And um, I went to her, and I told her, I was like, I don't feel like my antidepressants are working anymore because I'm just really sad. And she was like, well, it might be all that alcohol. <laughs> and I was like, I just, like, took a step back. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, what do you mean? Like no, I said the medication. <laughs> She's like, well, that's a depressant right. that you're consuming all day, every day. She was like, do me a favor. Don't drink until I, you know, am done with this thing, and then I'll have a drink with you. And the thought of not drinking for that, like, month and a half, two months was like, are you kidding me? Like, there's right. no way. Big deal. Big deal. And that in itself is what made me kind of think, like, for the first time, uh, maybe I have a problem. And so I went home and I threw everything away and I got everything out of my car and I was like super proud of myself and I did okay. And for the next like two or three weeks, I did good. Um, and then one morning, I say it did good. Like my life was manageable, except I could never get my kid to school on time. And it was five miles away from the house, but I was just so irresponsible and I was never thinking like, hmm, he might be uncomfortable being that kid that's always walking in late. Right. It was more of like a, we'll go when I'm ready, you know. I hate that. I hate thinking about that kind of stuff. But um, it, it is what it is. It, it is what, what it, it is. Don't, don't, it um, yeah, I can sense that when you get in touch with some of these things that you might feel bad about, that it really kind of. It gets to me. And it gets don't, to I don't you. see tissues anywhere. I mean, we. Look, I I, it wasn't until you started getting upset, I thought. <laughs> Because we don't ever have anybody that is as that gets to that level, no, really. <laughs> that, and right, like that's, but that's like that's what we want. Like we want people to be real. We want yeah. people, you know, to to be authentic. And and crying is part of a lot of people's story. Like mm -hmm. I've cried a ton. Like we've all cried. So the fact that you're able to tap into that in this kind of environment is truly that you know that bodes to the fact that you know, we are helping people to reach that point yeah. to be able to talk about that. And then it's it's precisely when we reach that point that people will start to respond even more because mm. they can really latch on to and feel that emotion with you and for you. And so it, don't, if, if we need some tissues, we've got T-shirts right there. We can <laughs> we, we get yeah, you a T-shirt. One of the – probably the – there were a number of reasons that kind of led to the beginning of the – podcast but the chief one was i have screwed my life up so badly mm -hmm. and i have made such horrible decisions lost you know respect and professional status and jobs and relationships with family and you know just dropped a bomb of selfishness all over my life me too and i thought if I could just be real honest about that, and if I could just get people that would be real honest about their own problems, then maybe one person out there could avoid one of the things that I wish I would have avoided. Mm -hmm. 
and using, you know, I think the hallmark for how we're doing in recovery is how willing are we to be super honest about our shortcomings and problems and the bad decisions we've made? And then how willing are we to turn that into something profitable to help the next person? Mm. So look, be raw. Let it all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you okay. cry, it's fine. We won't make fun of you. No, to your, we, to your like, face. we literally have like a, like a clean t-shirt right there that you can Perfect. Wipe yeah, we need some, t- we need some, we got, some clean. We got egg. those recovery lab t-shirts right there. So good. Good. Because um, right, so the, the next part gets me. Okay. All right, you're, what year is it and how old are you? I, oh gosh. Um, it is, it's Crystal Springs. Jax is like uh, four. <laughs> um, so that was, when was that? Jax is 13 now. He was four at the time. 2013? 12, 13. Yeah. Um, and so we wake up and I'm getting him <coughs> ready for school. Um he didn't shout. I had this trick where I would Febreze him. It, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we were running behind, um, and I didn't feel like giving him a bath that morning. I would literally take oh, a can okay. of Febreze and be like, doop, doop, there you go. Like, let's go. That's That was my parenting, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before anyone calls CPS, like, he, he got bass, okay? Um, <laughs> but it was no, just that one of those, like, random things that I thought was funny at the time, and I look back, I'm like, good Lord. Um, but anyway, so we got in the car and, um, we're driving to school in Crystal Springs and, um, they were doing construction at the time and, um, they're actually still doing that same construction, I believe. But anyways, there was a sign that, uh, there's a bunch of signs and it would be like a flag man, you know, standing there cause one of the lanes was closed and they're always on this right side of town. And so I'm driving Jax to school, which is on the left side of town. And he's playing his iPad in the back and um, he's playing this cars game. And for the past couple months, he kept getting two stars and he wanted three stars so bad. And we're driving and he's like, mom, mom, look. And I was like, what is it? And he said, "Um, I got three stars. And so I turn around real quick and I tell him, I said, I was like, buddy, that's awesome. And I turn back around and we're coming up over this hill and there's this car stopped. Um, and it all happened really fast. Um, but we... Uh, it's okay. <laughs> we, uh, so we slam into that car. And um, all I could think of was Jax, he had just started this thing where he was unbuckling his own seatbelt. And, um, and all I can remember was, like, I didn't double check. I did not double check if he buckled his seatbelt, unbuckled his seatbelt after I put him in and... Uh, Next thing I know, like, we, we hit, and we're flipping, and we're turning, and um, it was just the scariest moment, and um, all of a sudden, we stop, and we're upside down, and he's in the back, and he had just learned the phrase, what the heck, and so he kept saying, what the heck, what the heck, and um, got him, and all of a sudden, there's all these people around, and um, they're all, like, construction people and stuff like that, and I don't know how they got there so fast, but they're trying to get me out, and I was like, get my son, get my son, and they get him out, and um, and then they get me out, and um, the police are there. Everyone got there really fast, and I heard this woman say, um, you know, because I, I went over to her, and I was like, is he okay, the person I hit, or is he okay, and I was just so worried, and um, 
I heard her say that uh, she said, oh. huh? She said we got one dead under the tire. And I just kept thinking, like, how? Like, how did that part, like, all right, I hit the person. How did he get out of his car and under his tire? Like, this doesn't make sense. And that was, like, all my brain would let me do in that moment. And um, and it turns out that uh, it was a, the, the flag man, the construction man, and he was on the side of the road, and that car was stopped because they saw him and were paying attention. And, you know, so I ran into them, and they ran over him. And he was the one that was dead under the tire. And uh, I don't, like, I don't talk about it very much. Um, it's not an easy thing to talk about. It's not, and it's something I never wanted to throw out there as a reason why I drank the way I did. Does that make sense? I never wanted to use him. Um, and so that... That that was that was tough. That was tough, and it's it's a weird feeling when something you know is an accident. I know it was an accident, but it doesn't change the fact that I took someone off this planet. You know, um, he was actually the same age that I am now, um, and he had kids. I mean, it's just it's tough. It's tough. I don't want to. I don't want to exploit him in my own like trauma but um but that that was a tough time in my life and um but it was such a a god thing that there was nothing in my car and there was nothing in my system when that happened because if lauren hadn't told me at work to stop drinking for that moment of time there would have been and i would be in prison right now and it wouldn't have been an innocent accident um so that was God showing up in my life in his own weird way. Um, so moving on from there, um, I got in a relationship with someone I shouldn't have been in a relationship with. Um, not a lot of people know this about me, but uh, it was a married man, and I broke up his marriage. And, um, you know, he was supposed to be the person to, like, save me. And I never, ever, ever, ever in my mind thought that I would be a person that says I was with someone that was married. Um, but he was different. Right. <laughs> you know, he was different. And um, it turns out he wasn't. Um, it turns out that he, you know, we won't go into it. But that was that was a huge mistake in my life and one that um, I don't like that I made. It's something that it, d- it bothers me that I even got into that but um when I was with him because we moved from Crystal Springs and we um got a little house together in Madison and I you Jackson the gentleman mm -hmm, he had just gotten he broke up with his wife and uh got divorced um and I went to bed for a year um I just drank all day rarely took Jacks to school um, I had him enrolled <laughs> at MRA, um, but hardly ever took him. And I justified it in my head saying, like, oh, is he going to learn his shapes? Like, it's kindergarten. Um, and I really believed that, in my head, I really believed that I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wanted to spend time with him. And so I would just get drunk and 
and lay in bed all day and he would be at the house with me. Um, so I did that for a year. My parents finally intervened and they did it in a smart way. My mom did it in a way where it was summertime and she was like, let Jax come stay with us for a couple of weeks. Um, and so that sounded like innocent to me because if she would have said like, hey, you're not capable of doing this mom right. thing, let him come stay with me. I would My ego would have been like, how dare you? Don't ever talk to me again. And you're not allowed to see him. You know, like that's what would yeah. happen. Um, but I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds fun. And a couple weeks went by and I was like, well, this is easier, you know, like they're taking really good care of him. And, um, and so. And I can do whatever I want now. Right. I was kind of doing that anyways, though, yeah. you know, but it was just more of like, a, I didn't have to You're feel even guilt more about free. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I knew deep down that he was kind of thriving with my parents. And um, so a couple of weeks turned into the summer. Summer turns into school starting. And uh, he's still there. Um, and, you know, one of those it is what it is things that I wish wouldn't have been, but it is. And um, that's just what this freaking disease does to you. And um, even your babies, you know, don't get priority. So, um, he starts school at Hartfield, and he's doing so good, and that's when I, I end up, well, I end up Googling treatment centers for myself. Like, I just, I was so miserable, and, um, I would sit there all day with a bottle of wine and tequila watching Dr. Phil, feeling sorry for these poor people on Dr. Phil. I'm like, they have issues. It's like 9.30 in the morning, and I am (laughs) wasted judging these people on Dr. Phil, um, but I ended up just getting so sick and tired of myself. I, I started Googling treatment centers. Do not do that. Like I'm asking people not to do that. Find someone who knows treatment centers to get you in the right treatment center. Um, I found some place in Memphis and drove myself up there. Don't do that either. Um, and check myself out within like 24 hours and, uh, went back home and then ended up, long story short, going, my parents found a treatment center um, in South Padre called Origins. Um, the women's part was called Hannah's House. And Where is South South Padre? Texas. Yes, uh, Texas. Um, like Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. And um, I was super nervous to go. I was super nervous, ironically, to leave Jack's for that long. Um your brain was just looking for any Anything. reason, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I went, and um, I just that was that was a real miserable time for me. And so, uh, it what it wasn't actually too difficult for me to go at that time. Um, and that is where I first got introduced to the Big Book. Um, I don't know if you guys know Chris Raymer and Myers Raymer. They um, they're kind of. They're from Texas, but they do a lot of, like, speaker talks and stuff like that. And Chris Raymer does not play around. He is, like, hardcore big book, old school, um, and I loved it. And so I feel like I got a really good, like, foundational knowledge of um, of this book. Um, so I did that place, and... How long were you there? 60 days. Okay. Um, it was it was a really really good ex- experience for me and what I needed, um, and I got out of there and was like, all right, 
let's do this thing. I know this book. Um, I know what alcoholism is. Like, let's do this. And so. Got this. Yeah. So um, I come home and the man that I'd gotten the house in Madison with, um, turns out that was kind of like his plan all along, um, was to like get me to go somewhere. He got rid of the house, the dog, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. So when I came back, I came back to stay with my parents. And um, we were still air quotes together, uh, but I don't know how many people he was together with. Um, and that just kind of like flamed out or whatever. And, but being at my parents' house, that was like where I got back to, to parenting again and being Jax's mom. And um, so for the next two and a half years, um, I ended up, you know, getting an apartment for me and him. And it was the best time. Like we had the best time together. And that was the first time in my life where I was like a good mom. Um, Were you going to meetings? I, yes, but not for good reason. I went to one meeting. I thought there was a cute guy. Um, and so if he wasn't there at that particular meeting, I'd be like, oh, dang it. well, I guess I'll go anyways and speak some truth to these people. Right. You know, like I was very cocky about it because Chris Raymer taught me and I knew everything. Chris Raymer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went to a lot of meetings, um, but I just wasn't doing this thing right. Like I was doing it in a way where like, like I didn't have a sponsor and that to me was just because I'm not like a sponsor sponsor type of gal you know like yeah. that was just <laughs> that's one of those like suggestions in here I was like eh. so it's very like cherry picking this whole thing right. um but I will say that like self-will and self-knowledge um I was telling Daniel like it ca- it worked until it didn't um so it worked for me for two and a half years and like I was so fulfilled being Jax's mom and I was all about it like I just loved every minute of it um, and then when it stopped working, the self-will and the self-knowledge, all of a sudden, like, weeds started to sound like a good idea. Um, and it was okay to me because weed, like, was never my problem before. Right. Like, I'd smoked it in college, you know, and stuff, and it just wasn't like, oh, I have to have this. So, I right. figured it would be okay. Um, so, I did that for a few months, and then... Marijuana maintenance program? I guess. Yeah. I didn't even think about it too much. It was just one of those things. Where I was like, yeah, I should, I should probably do this. It'll yeah. help with my nerves. And um, I didn't even have any nerves. But um, so, yeah, I did that and then um, started dating this guy. And that relationship was really, like, was the darkest time. It was really bad. Um, he was just a total narcissist. And, um, but we liked the same music, and he made me laugh, so I thought it was forever. Um he was an he was a recovered heroin addict, and so I was. Um, Did he tell you about heroin? Yes, and I, that's what attracted me to him. Because um, I read what you texted to Daniel, and it's it's crazy. It's, it's a crazy. Big jump. It's, it's a, a big big jump. Big jump. Um, so he would tell you stories and glorify heroin use or no or was he like very like this was that was a bad part of my life exactly yeah he was the he was but still you latched onto that as something that perhaps you wanted to try or what what was that i don't know like subconsciously what all was going on but i know that i love like high risk situations i love like dangerous stuff and like bad things are like kind of sexy to me and so the thought of like him shooting up heroin and stuff like that like 
I love that. And that's just like a weird part of me. But um, I, you know, I was just attracted to that. And I think deep down, I wondered, like, I wonder if he'd ever go back to it. And if he did, I'd like to be his his partner in that little venture. And uh, that's eventually what happened. But yeah, the crazy part is that you're referring to when I said to Daniel, I was like, I've never done painkillers. Um, there was I, not a there was not a slow progression. There was just a there wasn't. It was like zero hey, to sixty. Yeah, let's get the thing that you tie around the arm and let's get the needles and like let's shoot this stuff. Do it. Like yeah, <laughs> so that's what I did. I will say that before I did that, um, because like I do believe if I hadn't started smoking weed. I don't know. I can't even, no, I'm not even going to say that because I don't know that. But I do know that when I was smoking weed, my head ended up telling me, like, you might as well drink because you're not really sober. Right. And I remember being in my boss's office. I'm actually going back to this same office uh, tomorrow for the first time since I left. And I've got some weird things because my mom's closing on her house. Um, but it was in his office, and he had this uh, – He's a closing attorney, and so he had liquor in the office for, like, real estate closings and stuff for people who drink normally. Right. <laughs> and um, and he, and I never, like, thought twice about it, but that day, um, I had just reached three years of, air quotes, sober, um, of no alcohol, and I was like, I think I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to drink. So I went in his liquor cabinet, and I took his whiskey and I took one sip and then I took 10 sips and it was just over from there um but anyways fast forward a couple weeks and I saw this I was in the gas station and I saw this stuff and I was like I wonder what that does and um so I was like I'll take one of those because it had like a little looked like a marijuana leaf I don't remember what was on it um but it was innocent because it was in the gas station and this kratom or what it was kratom Yeah, yeah yeah um I didn't know anything about it. And it was just like in the section of like weird stuff. And so it just felt super innocent. And that is something that I I hate that stuff. I wish it was not in this gas station. And like if you are listening and you see that section of just random stuff, like please know that it can ruin your life. Like it can – I'm going to get emotional thinking about it because like that was one thing. Like I really didn't know – how bad that could get. Um, so it's like right there next to the cigarettes, you know? <laughs> like yeah, that Kratom and that, what's that other stuff called? They call it ZA or Yaw. Yeah. They call it gas station heroin. Yeah. Uh, Tenazepine. It's supposed to be awful, yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, it really. So you're going hard on the, the Kratom. Over $250 a week. Damn. Yeah. Is this, uh, is this on heard top of, of heroin? Uh, no, this is before yeah, I tried heroin. Yeah, I don't think heroin. heroin started yet. Okay, okay, um, okay. Yeah, this is, like, right after I started drinking. And so I'm all about, like, changing the way I feel right now. Right. And, like, I'm just like, what else can I add in this little mix? But nothing too bad. Like, and so, you know, I innocent, not innocently, but I, I bought one of those things. And next thing I know, I'm, you know, over $250 a week on this habit where, like, even the guy at the gas station, like, I have, like, my different gas stations where I'm getting it from, and I'm, like, asking him, like, well, when are you getting more? Because I would buy him out of this wow. stuff. And, and I remember the way he would look at me, and it was like he was worried. I've got one of those guys in my story. Uh, the gas station at the corner of – it's on the corner of Lakeland and oh – my God, is it the same? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Ferry? 
No, not that far down. Okay. Uh, closer <laughs> into town, like to uh, Castle Woods. Okay. And uh, I was living over there, and I got turned on to Viva Zen. Mm. And, like, I would go and buy all that he had. Yeah. And I, this man watched, because they were the, it was the only gas station around that sold uh, the clove cigarettes that I liked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know this guy saw me. I mean, just the deterioration yeah. of my yeah. life. You know, from dressing like a professional to yep. to bat like a, crazy, yeah. and I, I wonder, like, I want to go in there and say, "Do you remember me?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've like, I got that. my shit together. <laughs> it is like it's weird when like the person at the gas station you can see is like genuinely getting kind of worried about you. This, this, like, I, I remember talking to this guy one time because in my fog i thought i'm gonna i'm gonna be a supplier of the junk they sell in gas stations yeah and i talked to him about it one day and i could see him looking at me like what's wrong in your life right now (laughs) like he seemed to have genuine concern like Mm -hmm. what what has happened right yeah, yeah. right so so you're you're getting gooned up on kratom how long kratom Uh, You've got a thousand dollar a month kratom habit. It was bad. It was bad. Um, And so I, I have to say, like, if you are listening and you're you're looking to try something and and you see something in a gas station, I'm begging you not to. I I want you to know like the seriousness of it and that it will in fact destroy your life if you if you go near it. It it drives me nuts that it's in these gas stations. but moving on, so I don't know how I'm not good with my timelines. Yeah, that's um, okay. But that lasted for you know uh, a couple a couple months, and then finally I told you know the boyfriend at the time like, hey, let's do this this stuff that um, that you used to do, and um, and so we did it, and it was the best feeling ever, and I loved it from the jump. I um. I loved, like, the lifestyle of it. Like, I loved the process. I loved all of it. And in, like, my sick, warped mind, it was very, like, romantic to me. Um, And I'm super grateful that during this whole process of getting sober this time that, like, God's changed my heart. And thinking about that kind of thing is not attractive to me anymore. Right. Um, Because it was very attractive to me. And um, so, anyways, I got a... Fundamental shift in your... Yeah, yeah. I, um... This relationship with this guy just took top priority in my life, um, and Jax just started. Um, bless his heart. He, I'm I'm so grateful he never saw what was like going on. Um, and I do get sometimes I think about doing this kind of thing. I thought about this in this other podcast that I did. Like, I get I don't I don't know where the line is of like how honest to be. To help others while also thinking like, but, and he is going to hear this one day. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I still haven't figured that out. So that's something I'm trying to navigate. But um, God was protecting my son. I know that 100%. Um, he didn't see things that um, would have been terrible for him to see. Um, and God protected him while I was, you know, gone at 1 o'clock in the morning to, quote, get groceries um, <laughs> and, uh, so I would go to South Jackson and, you know, the guy wouldn't 
be on time and I'd be getting so frustrated. They're never on time. They're never on time, ever. Like, what is that? Yeah. And I'm sitting there like this concerned parent. Like, I wish he would hurry because my son's at home alone and it's like he doesn't care about that. Where was the guy? <laughs> With me. Okay, yeah. Um, He never gave a crap about my son. Um, ever. And um, it bothers me that I would even let someone in my house that had that little regard for my son. Not that I was acting in a way where I did, but um, I don't know. There's something about, I can't imagine going in someone else's home and seeing their, I don't know. It's just some, something weird to me about it. But, um, but I mean, he's just a terrible person. He always will be. Um, I've done work around it, <laughs> I promise. But, uh, yeah, it, yeah, he was with me. He actually um, helped me sell some of Jax's stuff when we were running out of money because the sweet boyfriend he was. Um, and, yeah, that, that relationship ended when I ended up going to treatment. So that was your, the that would be the second treatment, is that right? Yes. Okay, so where was that second treatment? Okay, so this is how that went down. I, the guy that um, I was seeing, he actually worked for um, a recovery place, <laughs> and um, he, I think he ended up getting caught, um, so he had to go to a detox facility, and so when he left, I was like, well, I'm going to detox too, and I'm done with this stuff, and um, so I detoxed at home <laughs> for a week off of heroin. And that was the sickest I've ever been in my life. Um, and I think I think God did that too. I think if I would have had it a little easier, if I would have gone to treatment right away and detoxed in treatment. Like, without having to go through the. Yeah, without right. having to go through it. Um, I don't know. I think I, think I needed to go through it. Um, it was the worst, man. It was brutal. I thought I was going to be able to like sleep through the week or something like right. that and all of a sudden wake up and it's out of my system I didn't get a wink of sleep and I couldn't get to sleep and um it was bad I ended up calling my dad and seeing if he could get Jax from school and he did they know you were detoxing no um and we are like we're an alcohol family like not an alcohol family but like my dad was an alcoholic not a drug addict um we didn't really have any like drugs in my family but they knew something was up and uh so when I asked him to pick up Jax he was like what's going on and I said I'm detoxing and he said from what and uh I couldn't say heroin like I just couldn't bring myself to say it so I just said opiates um and he picked Jax up from school and um my little brother ended up coming to my apartment uh, a few hours later and that, when he walked in there to this place I was living and just stuffed it, there's just 100 pizza boxes in the kitchen and, you know, needles all over my bathroom. And I'm just, I'm down, I'm like 110 pounds um, and I'm just broken. And for my little brother to walk in there and uh, see me like that, that was tough. And, uh. And I remember I had uh, liquor bottles around. I decided I was going to lie um, and say, like, I'm not doing anything. But I was drinking like crazy that week um, just to, like, relieve something. Um, and so I, was, I remember, like, looking at my brother and just, like, 
telling him, like, I'm not drinking. Like, it's just that it's just sitting there. It's old. And, like, just that exhaustion of, like, trying to keep it up, trying to keep up, trying to keep up. And As like, if that's going to make up for the fact that you're living in filth right? and squalor. And there's <laughs> junky accoutrement yeah. everywhere. And yeah. Don't. I promise that's not mine. Right. <laughs> They're know? in a spoon left in your house. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Nope. And um, I remember feel, being just filled with shame. Um, and I knew my parents were, um, you know, figuring something out behind the scenes. Well, and are you working? How are you supporting? I, mean, you- I ended up quitting uh, my job for um, the real estate attorney. Um, I w- And I will say, I'm jumping ahead, but making my amends to him was uh, something I never would have done in that program that I was working the first time I got out of treatment. I would have thought of that as more of like an option. Um, that was a requirement this time. And that's something that, um, meant a lot to me to be able to do, but I ended up walking out of his office one day cause I was like, I'm over this place and never gone back. Um, so the last couple months leading up to, um, before I went to treatment, I was just at home. Um, but anyways, um, so I knew my parents were working on something. I didn't know what. And I started, like, getting kind of anxious, like, I want to know, like, the plan here. So I called my mom. My dad wouldn't answer. Um, he just couldn't. He couldn't talk to me. And did they me. have jacks at this point? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he couldn't. He was so disappointed. Um, and so I talked to my mom, and I was like, just tell me what's going on. Like, am I going somewhere? Like, what? what's this, the plan? And – uh. She didn't, I'll always remember this. She was so scared. Um, she didn't want to tell me because she had heard of how many people will go one last time before they have to, like, go into a treatment right. facility and they don't make it out of that last time. Um, and That's you know, true. Yeah. And uh, she was just so scared to tell me because she was scared that I would have one last hurrah and overdose. And um, And I promised her, and I was honest with her, that I will not. I won't do that. I won't do that. I just want to know what's going on. And um, so they uh, called, they had called, they had gotten in touch with Ruth Ann Rigby, um, local celebrity. <laughs> Ruth Ann comes up a lot. In yeah, here. yeah. Yeah. She's, she's incredible, man. She's incredible. Um, in fact, anytime anyone calls me needing any kind of like suggestions or help or anything, like I just have her right there in my favorites list of like please call her she knows exactly what she's doing um but anyway so sorry i see the clock i um no you're good We're okay good. um ruth ann helps my family get through this really difficult time and making sure they're not enabling me on my way you know all this like everything is set up um i'm to go to brc recovery in austin texas um when i heard First of all, there wasn't it wasn't waterfront. I was a little disappointed. That's how sick I was. I was like, wait, it's not it's not on the beach. Like the last place was on the beach and I really like the pier. So like are y'all sure you want to send me here? Is that not ridiculous? It is ridiculous. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's quite it's quite ridiculous. Oh, it just makes me nauseous. It is what it is. Uh it is what it is. Um but anyways, so I was a little disappointed in that. Um my life's falling apart, but this place isn't waterfront and um also, it was 90 days. 90 days f- sounded like eternity. eternity. 
it sounded so impossible. I was like, wait, like, I know I have issues, but like 90 days, like, no, no. You, I need you to find a place that's like max 60 days. But I hadn't, there was no room for negotiation there. If there had been any room at all, I would have negotiated all day. Um, so thank God that they, they weren't willing to negotiate a single thing with me. Um, so they arranged for um, a family friend, Marcus, who is an angel. Um, he works a lot with Ruthann to, to like transport people. Um, he is supposed to, you know, he's supposed to pick me up, but I'm so stuck. I won't let anybody pick me up. I'll meet you there. Um, so I meet him at the airport. We miss the flight. And I blame everything in the world except for myself. Um, so we get on the next flight. And I'll st- I still remember this. And it's so stupid. Y'all know that that woman that's like the NFL referee? Yeah. Um, she's just like such an awesome chick. And like I'm so drunk in the airport. It's like 630 in the morning. And I see her. I'm like, Marcus, you see, that's that Sarah chick. The football. Hey. And I'm like, you're awesome. Big fan. And, like, he's just over there, like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, what is going on? And um, so that was that was me on the way to treatment. Um, as dark and ugh, as I was, like, I was still just kind of, like, just not there um, and just wasted. And I remember being in the airport and having my last drink, and um, I couldn't even finish it. I couldn't even finish. Like, I couldn't fit any more alcohol in my body. And that's how, like, that's how I drank. Like, there, I, I never was hungover because I was always drunk. You know, people will, like, have their, you know, water bottle with them at all times. Like, I always had mine, but it was alcohol. And so I would just all day sipping, all day sipping. And, um, and so I get to BRC, um, and... It's supposed to be a 90-day program. I was there for five months, and I needed every hour of that program. Like, and that place, there's something magic about that place. It was the first time in my life I wasn't able to manipulate anybody. Um, It was the first time in my life where I learned, like, how I was actually showing up versus, like, how I thought I was showing up. There was, like, a lot of accountability, and I had, like, lived a life with zero accountability at all. And uh, all of a sudden, like, these girls are, like, coming at me every day for, like, my behaviors and stuff. And I'm just like, who are you? You know? And, like, I, I'm so offended. I'm so offended. And um, just after time, after time, and after time, it's like everything's getting right-sized. My ego's getting right-sized. My priorities are getting right-sized. And I grew up. I grew up at age 35. And and that treatment center, I mean, I owe my life. Like, I owe them my life. The people that worked with me, the women that were in there with me, saved my life. Um, And God's, you know, a huge part of that. I think that, um, I think he got me there, and I think that he helped me through the entire way. And I think that, He's the one that's, like, kept me sober. Absolutely. There's no question about that. You know? Yeah. All right. So, you were there for five months. Mm. Um, what happened when you got out? And what, it's, what is it like now? How have things improved? What is your life like today? What do you enjoy doing today? What's life like today? Okay. Um, so, when I got out, 
that was when it got really difficult for me because while I was there, I, um, people were watching, you know, and I'm big on like validation. Not that I like got a lot of validation, but I knew people were watching. So even if they weren't saying it, they had to be proud that I like stayed after and swept the floor after lunch because how selfless was that, you know? Um, so when I got out and it was just like me, like I struggled really hard. And for those first, I'd say three weeks out, I really wanted to get drunk and I really wanted to get high. Um, and I was disappointed in that, but I was just like, I I really like, cause if I do it now, then I can start over with like the sobriety date and stuff. And I won't be that far down the line to where I won't lose that much time. Um, but I had this thing, it's called a segue coach. And, um, it's sort of just like this accountability for when you get out of treatment, um, just kind of helps you get back on. And, um, she's the one that told me like, just keep, like, just keep going like this, all this stuff you're feeling and stuff, super normal, but it'll pass. Just keep going. And so I did. And um, got super plugged into AA there. I love Austin AA. Uh, I love it. Um, I found some meetings there that just were a hit every single time. And um, I I loved it. I got very involved there. Um, I worked for a restaurant for the first year um, and just did what I was supposed to do. And I was super happy. It was really difficult being away from Jack's. but I, I had women who were also mothers that were telling me, like, just trust the process. Like, you're not ready yet. You just keep, keep following these suggestions and do what you're supposed to do. So I just put my head down and just kept doing that. And um, I completely trusted the process. And in the meantime, I would just FaceTime Jax a lot, and we would have to have our relationship that way. And, um, and I did it right for the first time in my life. I, like, did something right, right. the way it was supposed to be done. And... Um, March of 2020, the pandemic hits, and I remember I was at my home group. I was called Allendale, and um, they like announced like, "All right, well, the rooms are, the rooms are closing. Like, this is what we have to do." And I remember thinking like, "We can't do that. Like, we can't do that." And uh, so we all went and ate Mexican afterwards, and we were just talking about how weird this whole situation was. It was just so gnarly. Like, it felt so weird, and um. There's this man named Bob in our, our home group, and he, the next day, said he would be in the parking lot if anyone needed anything. And so me and um, a few other people went, and it was just a cool feeling. And um, there's another woman there, Mercedes, and um, me and her got together, and we were like, let's do this. Like, let's, let's, do th- let's keep doing this thing, this parking lot thing. And so we just got together, and we were just, like, this duo that, like, we were on fire for this. And so we we started a Facebook page um, called Austin Pop-Up AA, and we would come up with places, like, all over town to meet. And, like, because in Austin there's a lot of treatment centers, and um, so there's a lot of people constantly getting out of treatment and back in the real world. And um, we wanted somewhere for – them to be able to go and um so we would meet in parks and parking lots and um all this kind of stuff and we would just sort of be like on call as well like if people were struggling and we'd put on the page like hey who wants to do a meeting meet here this time and uh it was just fun man like because everyone had like gave you a sense of purpose yeah Yeah, but like everyone would just have like this fighting spirit of like 
I know we can't do this, but let's do this because this is what we do. This is appealing to every person in recovery <laughs> who enjoys, you know, breaking the rules. And right. Yeah. I know we had like watch out for cops and stuff because there's like more than 10 of us gathered, but we were like, who cares? Yeah. Like, this it's is us. This is our recovery. And, and us against that. the world. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, and I was telling Dave, it was probably one of the best times of my life. Um, it's just those, those meetings and those groups. And, um, Oh, it's amazing. It was amazing. Um, when I talk about that and I look at life now, it feels different. And when I was getting ready for this podcast, I was wondering, like, who is God putting out there that I'm supposed to be talking to? Is it someone that, like, just got out of treatment? Or is it someone doing it? Like, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, in, like, full transparency, I, I came to Mississippi. Um, you know, I, I ended up getting a job at that treatment center and working for that treatment center and loved it. It was the first time in my life where I loved a job that I was doing. And um, I got a phone call on February 4th that um, my dad, his cancer, had just gotten married in September, and he couldn't come to the wedding because um, – he had cancer, and they had to do an operation. They had to remove, like, half his nose. And um, so Jax actually walked me down the aisle and gave me away, and it was really special. Um, and I had a hard time. My dad wasn't there. And um, so February comes around, and I get a phone call, and my dad had gone to the doctor, and his cancer was all in his neck, and they said that it's going to reach his carotid artery, and his carotid artery is going to explode, and he's going to bleed out and die, and that's going to happen really soon. So I had to get on a flight and come home and um, take care of him until he died. And um, so for for a couple months, um, I just watched my dad uh, deteriorate. Yeah. And it, he had this big hole in his neck. And it was disgusting. It was the grossest thing. Cancer's weird. Like, oh, yeah, cancer's bad. crazy. And it's just taken over his neck. And um, and I'm cleaning out his wounds. And out of all people in the world, I'm, I'm giving him his fentanyl patches and keeping those away from him and, you know, his morphine and all that. And if that's not God, then what is that? You know what I mean? For this heroin addict to, to be able to do that and not uh, struggle at all. And um, I watched my dad die. And uh, he – I was there for his last breath. Um. I stayed with his body until the funeral home came, which is a lot longer in real life than you think, like in the movies and stuff. Right. It's, it's like, it's a, it's a minute, you know, you're there for like over an hour and I'm just, I'm sitting there uh, next to my dad's body and I'm just holding his hand. I know that sounds all morbid, but this is stuff that's all going on in my head these days. And, um, and that's something that, I don't know, losing my dad has been uh, just the worst It's just the worst of, like, he was my best friend, and um, he had the stupidest, like, sense of humor, and I had the same sense of humor, and so we just, like, got each other, and we would text each other all the time these stupid jokes, and I have no one to make those jokes to anymore. Yeah, but he got to see the sober you. I know, I know, um, but the pain is just, like, super real, and, uh, and then, um. A few months later, uh, I lost my father-in-law, 
And my father-in-law made me feel like everything was going to be okay. You know, I not. He was just such a solid, like, rock. And uh, losing him, it's just, I don't know. It's It sucks. It sucks. There's a lot of things that have happened this past year that really suck. I, uh, leaving my job sucked. Leaving Austin sucked. Leaving my recovery community. Um, all that. And, um, but then good things have happened. You know, I've got... I've got Jack's back, and that makes me so happy. Like, just, like, taking him to school and, like, I don't know. Being his mom is, like, my favorite thing in the world. Um, So that's the good thing that's happened. I had a baby, and um, that's another good thing that's happened. And so a lot of bad things have happened and a lot of good things have happened. Um, And that's just, like, what this sobriety thing is about, I guess, is, like, doing all of that and feeling all the things and you just keep going, you know, and, um, using the tools of the program to exactly uh, get back out there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that I've struggled with comparing Jackson AA to Austin AA. Um, I think that I struggle finding like a new group. Um, and I've been to, I've been to a few meetings, and it's uh, it's just an honest struggle for me. Um, and I just keep trying new ones, and I keep trying new ones, but I'm not going at it the way that I used to. I'm not going at it with, like, that desperation that I used to, and that bothers me. And I almost told y'all before you asked me to come on this podcast, like, uh, you don't want me because I'm not doing this thing like I'm supposed to do. Um, but then I started thinking, well, maybe someone else isn't either. Nobody does this program perfectly. <laughs> I could do it a lot better. Um, I know that. Okay. But well, I know that I shouldn't, like, I know that I'm worthy of telling my story, even if I'm in a spot where I'm not at my greatest. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> that's the You're like, that's literally what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're not perfect by any means. We're just two drunks that talk to people. Like, really, that's. <laughs> Look, I spend the majority of my time thinking that everybody is basically full of shit. Mm. Right. I mean, I'm I'm pretty <laughs> I'm I'm pretty pessimistic about I mean, I just think that people give in to emotion too much and that it's all over. <laughs> we we have this ongoing debate about my dislike for emotion mm. and feelings cuz I just think they're we're yeah. gonna have a whole episode on in that. the you know the long run they're a not whole good season for us. on that. But we I think that we have to practice how to extract the joy out of feeling good about what we're doing. That's good because mm-hmm. even that we're much more practiced at extracting the bad coming up with things to complain about, Mm -hmm. coming up for reasons why. Like, we're great at that. Mm -hmm. And we are not great at feeling proud of ourselves. True. Like, if you had to be anywhere near fentanyl or morphine Mm -hmm. and didn't use any, that victory. Right? If you you were there for your dad, victory. Mm. If you were there for your husband when his father died, Mm -hmm. victory. If you're here, victory. And so we've got to look. We're just not good. Every day you don't get messed up is an absolute victory. That's that, that's We couldn't do that before. Our bar is pretty low, right? <laughs> the bar is low. 
So you we didn't get high all, today? <laughs> we do all of these things that are great. And I know for me, I'll think, well, I had fear when I did that. So that lessens how good I should feel about it. Or I did this with trepidation or I didn't, you know, I, I didn't feel, you know, I barely eked by, well, hell, that's winning. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. And, no, it's, and we got to be kind to ourselves too. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, yeah, we did, we all did some, I mean, Drew and I were talking about before we started the, or before you got here, like we did some scandalous things, just some awful, just things that a, a human should never do. Tell me one of yours. <laughs> I mean, uh, in, on what topic? Yeah. I mean, one, one, I know one popped in your head. What is all right, it? Look, the first, all right, so when Daniel and I first met, yeah, we're, uh, <laughs> well, we, we don't need to tell a lot of those stories, <laughs> but, uh, so I can remember I had just gotten a divorce and I had mm-hmm. three small kids and, uh, my parents helped me get this house, this great house. And I finally have my three kids. So I'm talking about like they're, they're two and a half. One is two and a half, and two are a year ish, somewhere around there. They all sleep in, you know, confined uh, pack in place. Mm-hmm. And I'm so high on meth with them over there the first night they spend the night in my house. And I am as geeked up as I possibly could be, right? I'm like out of my mind. And I can I know the sun is is not far away, and I'm thinking how am I gonna how am I gonna get them ready and to daycare? Like I can't. I mean, and so I called my parents. I waited until I could pass off that mm-hmm. I had just waked up right, and I took a shower, and I can remember looking at my kids and just feeling this overwhelming sense of guilt, shame, and remorse about having, you know, stayed up shooting meth all night long, mm-hmm. uh, you know, while I'm, I'm supposed to be, you know, father of the year here. And just the, the lies that are told in furtherance of just existing. I mean, every person that came anywhere near my sphere, I told a lie to in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lied to me. I even lied to you. <laughs> I even mean, how how, how many ways have we sought to change how we feel about ourselves? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you certainly said you hop from man to man. You know, looking for women to change how I feel, looking for relationships to change how I feel. I mean, what lie have I not told? Mm-hmm. What what horrible person have I not been? I mean, we're, yeah, it's, and it's so tiring. It takes so much energy to lie. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was just the, you know, the lying to my wife on a regular basis and just choosing me over my son and my family without fail, no matter what. I mean, we could, you know, if you want to, if you want to subscribe to Patreon, Drew and I can tell some stories over there on Patreon. I mean, look, if if you want to hear some crazy (laughs) shit. Here, this is a good story. What? What? So, I bought a bag of what I thought was meth one time, and I'm pretty sure it was angel dust. So, uh, like, I'm out of my mind. 
But do you want to hear this story about the uh, about when Rankin County sicked the attack bobcat on me? Or do you want to hear um, about the guy that got shot in my driveway? I mean, I mean both. Okay, so I get gooned up on what, but it's probably angel dust, and it was cold outside, and I had on a North Face down jacket and shorts. Keith, uh huh, so bad. Okay, okay, real quick. Yeah, I really yeah, yeah. want to hear the story. Hold on. Okay, yeah, go down, go down the hallway to the left, or go all the way towards the here. I'll show you. Can we pause it? No pausing. Truth is, I got a P too. <laughs> all right, let's let's get this going here. All right, we're gonna for all our viewers. We've had a restroom break, so we are gonna listen to some Kenny G as we wait for everyone to return from the. Restroom here. No, you're good. Just getting to the point where I can't breathe. No, you're good. Drew had a pee too. So we're going to listen to some Kenny G while we wait. Okay. <laughs> wait, this is not Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <sighs> okay. Are we alive? Yeah, we're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. You know what I've decided? What? I think you need better lighting. Like what do you th- what are you thinking? Well, better lighting and a better angle. I know we're limited though. Like With that's the, the only place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're as we grow, we'll we'll. You know. As a woman, we like a good angle. I know, I know. And so that's if you want more women <laughs> on your podcast, <laughs> you need to think about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, we would have to go, like, two feet back. Like, we just, we need a little bit bigger space. Whose um, place is this? It's um, Drew's landlord. So my office is right here. Okay, I got you. What do you do when you're not working? I work at a law firm. You're a lawyer? Well, I have a law degree. 
to your lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't practice. But he repassed the bar. Because of some of these stories. Yeah. All right. So let's 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 tell your stories. If you want to tell your stories, let's tell your stories. And let's let's wrap this up in five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. All right. So get gooned up on probably angel dust. And I believe that Rankin County Sheriff is at my house. Mm-hmm. And I sit in my driveway. I've got a law degree and a practice at this time. And I sat out there for so long that my legs end up getting sunburned. <laughs> And I think to myself, well, they haven't put the handcuffs on. They're not there. Okay, noted. I mean, they're not there. And I decide, well, they haven't arrested me, so I must be free to move. You know, so I go inside, and I I think they have sicked an attack bobcat on me. (laughs) And, like, it's in the room next to my kitchen. (laughs) And I'm going to fight it off with the frying pan. Mm. And I hopped up on the counter and I'm armed with the frying pan and the... Uh, Is that where the window got broken? That's why the window was broken. <laughs> and so, like, I'm hollering, help, 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 and all this shit. And, I mean, my poor neighbors. I mean, there's really no telling what all I did. Uh, I can remember sitting out on my back porch one time with my hands up in the air for so long that, like, my shoulders locked in place because I think that Rankin County Sheriff is creeping up through the backyard in ghillie suits. You know what a ghillie suit Mm -hmm. is? I do. All right, so, uh, I mean, just the insanity of this life persists. And uh, so I don't know how I didn't end up going to jail that night. I mean, they didn't find anything, thank God. God. So I I, I, I have a client. He's a criminal defendant. I get him off. I quickly realize that he's into drugs about like I am. And so he ends up back over to my house. Mm. And we engaged in some criminal activity, and he wants to go rip off this drug dealer. And I think he's left to go do this. And I'm standing in my kitchen, and I hear this kind of cracking noise. And... He's a great big guy. I mean, he's nearly seven feet tall. He's a huge man. And he comes stumbling back in, and I'm like, what in the hell? He'd gotten shot in my driveway. He didn't die or anything. He may be dead now. but So I'm sitting there, and he he's like his lips are turning purple. Oh, my god! There's no blood anywhere. And I think all I can think is, if you die in my living room, my ex-wife is never going to let my kids, yeah. never going to let me see mm-hmm. my kids That's again. That's a big no-no. So I sneak out, and I call 911. The Rain County Sheriff is there with the quickness. Before they get there, he takes off, and I'm left to answer, you know, why did somebody get shot in your driveway? So, I mean, you're not the only one that's got crazy tales <laughs> yeah. and crazy stories. I mean, we can go on for a long time. Daniel was around. Uh, I mean, we can both attest to the poor decisions that the other made. Yeah, all in furtherance yes. of trying to feel different about ourselves, you know. Yeah. Chasing this thing. Chasing, yeah. yeah. Be it with drugs, relationships, risky behaviors. Mm-hmm. I mean. Anything that will make you feel different. Yeah. 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 It's crazy how. All like it's crazy how much changes in sobriety when like when you're like doing this thing the way you're supposed to like just thinking about all the stuff that we've talked about today about 
you know, so many of the mistakes I made with, um, with Jax and how, like, I can stand here to say, like, that I'm a good mama. Like, today, like, I'm a good mom. And I know that um, there's this woman, Marsha Stone, who I just love. She's, like, my spirit animal. But she says, like, on my own power, I'm not a good mom. And so, like, that's one thing that I remember is, like, not only, like, on my own power am I um, not able to stay sober, I'm also not able to be a good mom. And so um, I think about that, and I'm just grateful for that. I think about the things that I used to be attracted to versus, like, what I'm attracted to now. What I'm attracted to now is, like, um, my husband standing next to me at church this morning. You know what I mean? And, like, I look over and I see him praying. And I'm like, wow, that is, like, that's the sexiest thing he could possibly do. You know what I mean? And, like, it's just, it's crazy what, um, how much changes. Well, and just how perverted our thinking is. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty bad. Before we have, you know, some sort of awakening, you know, Christians call it, you know, awakening or get the Holy Spirit or AA says, you know, you have a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm awake. Yeah, absolutely. Well, stay woke. Oh God. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna go there. We're gonna cut that out. All right, listen. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. This yeah. has been amazing. Um, you did phenomenal, uh, and this is gonna be this is gonna touch somebody. So I hope so. Um, you did a phenomenal job. So thank you so much for coming, Drew. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add? No. Look, I appreciate how raw you were. I mean, really, I'm floored i only cried four times so like it was good that's that's a good record i love it (laughs) no i mean who who can ask for better than that yeah Mm, i appreciate you guys absolutely thank you thanks so much 